I am Ohiro Oni Isele. Ruminations is the podcast in which I discuss matters of life. A few years ago, I spent an evening with a then 91-year-old man that I had just met for the first time. It was an unanticipated meeting, but there we were, talking as if we hadn't just met, but had known one another for a long time. In less than 30 minutes of this chance meeting, he invited me into his very beautiful home, which was nearby. Imagine this for a moment. An unlikely pair of impeccably dressed gentlemen, decades apart in age, and with two different skin colors, walking in the same direction and talking to one another as if they, that is we, had been friends for a very long time. But get this, we weren't just two men walking in the same direction. We were actually two men who had never met until then, walking to the home of one of us. Imagine your thoughts if you were one of the people who saw us at that moment, on that day. Would you invite to your home a complete stranger that you had only just met? Someone whose name you probably already forgot within the same minute that you got introduced. Well, I realize that such a question can only receive a subjective response, and that's just as well. But after sitting and talking for a few minutes on that day, I asked my new friend if he would introduce his family to me through the beautiful pictures on the walls of his home. He immediately obliged without question, just as one would his friend. He walked me through his home and introduced his family to me in the pictures all over his wall picture by picture on his walls, his cabinets, and his desks. I was drawn to a picture of one of his grandsons, an attorney based in the Midwest. The young man was leaning and praying over a gravestone somewhere in Europe. I asked my host questions about that picture, and I learned that it was taken in Poland, and that was the grave of my host's mother. After some discussion about that picture, we talked about a picture taken with all of his children, and another of his wife, himself, and two granddaughters. He informed me that his wife had been dead for two years, three weeks after that photograph was taken. 
We took one step and then we stopped in front of the next photograph and talked. Then another step, another stop. Then we talked some more. Then another step, then a stop. And, well, after answering my questions about most of the pictures in his home, including one taken alone with his now, with his now deceased wife, my host said in his polite, soft voice, Let's go back and sit at the table. As we walked back to the table, I remarked that he was a really blessed man to have such a successful family. I was also a very successful businessman, he replied. And I made payroll for hundreds of staff every week. But what's the use? What does it matter now? He asked me. I was silent. I waited for him to say more, and he did. In the end, he continued, what does anything amount to? Now in an emotional state, he discussed the loss of his wife and the loneliness that he felt despite frequent contacts from his family. He opened a window for me into his life. As I just respectfully sat there, and let him speak without interruption. I realized that unlike anyone that I knew, my host's childhood was cut very short by a vacuum in man's refusal to embrace the golden rule that we love others as much as we love ourselves. When I asked him about his childhood in Poland, my host's response hit me like a pack of bricks. I've got a number, he said to me. Do you want to see it? He asked. Without waiting for my response, he undid his left sleeve and showed me a tattooed number that he was given as a child in the Holocaust camp at Auschwitz. I was dumbfounded, and my heart launched into tears that I would not let run down my face, although I am sure that my eyes welled up. He noticed, and he said to me, You are having a very hard time, I'm sorry. I told him it was all right. When I gathered myself, I told him that my son had visited a Holocaust camp in Austria. Matosin, I told him. I said my son had visited that camp as a teenager and still would not discuss the experience. To my shock again, my host replied, Oh, 
I was there in that camp too when I was 13 years old. They took me there when I was 13 years old. And after two years there, I was returned to Germany when I was 15. There was complete silence for a moment. I did not speak because I couldn't find the words to say. I do not have a number. I cannot even imagine what it would be like to live my life with a number that marked me as a child as unworthy of the free gift of life. A number that marked me as not being pure enough to live. To be marked for death just because of my heritage. No part of my life was forcefully wasted in a Holocaust camp or any camp for no reason other than my heritage. Nor was the life of any of my relatives so wasted, so destroyed in any camp just because of who they were. You see, I often forget that I was born and raised with privilege, a reality that I was reminded of when I traveled with my son to some African countries a few years ago, including the country of my birth. Like so many people, I spent so much time discussing the privileged status of others and don't often consider my own privilege. Often, we get upset over how privileged people are and neglect to see that we might also be privileged in ways that are different. If I saw my host anywhere before I got to spend time with him, I would most likely have focused on the obvious aspects of his life, not knowing the less glamorous aspects of the road that he traveled. I would not have known that he was a Holocaust survivor with a number on his body to remind him every day of his life about man's capacity for evil. But how could he still love and trust even someone with such obvious differences from him as I when it was so difficult for him to receive love from others for many years of his life. Well, I don't know. However, I know that it is difficult for us to love others as we ought, because between us is a vacuum of knowledge that we as humans remain unwilling to bridge. I do not accept what some would have us believe that we lack the capacity to bridge that gap or to love. Instead, I believe that we choose not to, partly because it seems easier to capitalize on differences, either for personal or group gain, than it is to let ourselves become humble and vulnerable enough to love those that we consider more or less privileged, 
different, offensive, or less in status than we are. It is time to pray and work hard for our neighbors, our communities, and our world to fill that love vacuum that seems to be getting even wider due to what appears to be our diminishing willingness to love others. Sometimes I desire to imagine a situation in which humanity loves with genuine zest, knowing that the night is far spent and that we have a responsibility to put on the armor of light to brighten a world that has become increasingly darker in my lifetime. I know that this is wishful thinking at best, but knowing that does not prevent me from praying that God grant us the wisdom, strength, courage, and guidance to love one another as He desires. Do you have a number? <laughs>